Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. You're with Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, with rising inflation and a volatile market, savvy investors and those looking to protect themselves financially are re-evaluating their portfolio. They're finding ways to diversify. And there's been much speculation about what types of financial options can hedge effectively against the economic landscape that we're seeing now. Well, opinions predominantly point to traditional vehicles. We're talking here about commodities commodities, stocks, bonds, real estate, and those that are widely accepted by the masses as proven. While these options, of course, are all viable, alternative solutions can provide perhaps a more beneficial inflation hedge and produce even greater returns. One such alternative that investors are looking at is luxury timepieces. So should you be buying luxury watches now to hedge against inflation? Well, Nelson Lee, founder of Ultralux and the Singapore Watch Fair, and Matt DeBacker, founder of Atelier Holger, joins us now. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Thanks for joining us, guys. Let's start with Nelson. Now, I've been hearing about luxury watches as an asset class for many years now, so it's not really a new thing. Knight Frank's Luxury Investment Index, which actually tracks the value of 10 luxury assets, we're talking here about art, cars, watches, wine, it rose 9% last year, I understand. The growth rate actually the strongest annual performance since 2018. But how do luxury watches measure up against the other asset classes? I'm happy to be here. You know, watches, especially luxury watches, they've always held a sentimental value. And, and because of how rare and I would say easily maintained they are, they have Recently, rise in value, right? As you mentioned, uh, I think Singapore jumped from number six to number four in the world as for the Swiss export in July. It's also one of the best ways because it's so liquid. You are actually wearing money on your wrist. The value of the watch also appreciates over time. As seen in the auctions last month, uh, last week. You know, so yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been good. Here's the thing. A lot of analysts say that there is sometimes no logical explanation for the prices paid for the watches. I mean, the value mm-hmm. of a luxury watch is subject to trends, market sentiment, supply and demand. Others warn that as an investor in luxury watches, you're actually subject to the whims of trends. Now, this means that mm-hmm. you may have to wait for years for your watch to come back into style. But surely there are certain benchmarks that will determine the long-term value of a watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always comes down to the craft, right? Uh, a watch that took maybe six months to create, two years to design. These are work that are made by hand, 500 or sometimes 300 parts working together, and they would last easily about 50 years. You know, if servicing is done every five to eight years. So this, this is a work of art, right? And I think in the age of innovation, technology, destruction, I think we as humans are starting to, to kind of relook and go back to this Asian art, you know? So I think watches essentially is art and it's starting to be, I think, widely appreciated. Matt, perhaps you could jump in here. What are the markers that investors need to look out for before parting with their money? Oh, um, you know, I think, you know, when you're looking at watches uh, as an investment, obviously, you know, brands is something that we should be particularly be paying attention to. 
seeing, you know, where the trends are going and what people are collecting. Uh, but, you know, as a collector myself, you know, what I'm really looking for is something that, one that I really enjoy myself, one that I would wear forever, um, you know, complications that are interesting, for example. Uh, these are all things that we should be looking at, uh, but you should absolutely be, you know, talking to, you know, other collectors and, um, you know, also, you know, watch shops and professionals and see what their advice is uh, on, on, on those models. But for myself, I think definitely it's, Buy what you want and buy what you love, so you will wear it. And it doesn't really matter if the, the price goes up or down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, that doesn't sound like a very smart investor. <laughs> but I see where you're coming from. I, I do know of investors who have that philosophy. And if the watch happens to make money, it happens to appreciate in value, then it's a good thing. But speaking of buying what you love... It would seem that a lot of people loved the Omega Swatch watches. Recently, we saw long queues in Singapore to get these collaborative watches and uh, people were very excited about it. But is this a worthy addition or just hyped up? Um, I think it was a very exciting launch uh, done by Swatch and Omega. To, to Obviously, Omega is owned by Swatch Group. Uh, to combine two brands which you would never really see together. So, you know, when this was announced, it basically allowed a, a larger group of, you know, mainstream people and people who might not be thinking about watches and collecting watches before to jump in on this. So it was super, super exciting to see uh, both the creativity and the colors and the models that came out of this line and the response that the public had. Um, and I, I believe that, you know, I read the articles on uh, the actual moon watch sales going up by multiples uh, after this launch. So it was definitely something that uh, resonated really well with current watch collectors and also new watch collectors. Um, so I think it was pretty cool. Mm. That's the thing, Nelson. You talked about how you need to know more about the watch before deciding if it is likely to appreciate in value over time. And, you know, it's a work of art and there might even be a great history behind all of it. But in some cases, the hype is enough, right, to drive up prices? Well, we've certainly seen that, right, over yeah. the last few years, right? So you have people coming and, you know, they, have, they go to the shops, there's nothing, they've been waiting for years, there's nothing but a waiting list. So we've seen that, right? Uh, but fundamentally, I think in the Singapore Watch Fair, we, we stay away from the hype. Uh, we believe very much in the true form of watchmaking, in, in independent watchmaking, uh, like Atelier Hoga, which match represents, to Constantine Shaikin, which represents. These are watchmakers that do not participate in the hype, they present their work for what it is, and they're very genuine, and, and the consumers in Singapore, I think, are starting to appreciate it and starting to understand a little bit more about what is independent watchmaking. And I think that's going to be a rising trend in the years to come. Illustrate for me, Nelson, how luxury watches are a hedge against inflation and economic volatility, if they are. Mm, well, you definitely see a correction. Right uh, in the last few months, uh, on certain category of watches, I've always told everyone watches. Not all watches are born the same; they're not equal. Mm. In watches, fundamentally, I classify them the three categories: where you have the modern day watches, which you could uh, you could get at the retail stores. You have the independent watchmaking, and then you have the vintage uh, watchmaking. So I, I reclassify them, or at least for me, in these three major categories. Uh, we have seen a major correction uh, in the modern-day watches as, as because of, say, the, the correction in the market, in stocks, in crypto. We have uh, definitely yet to see any correction in the independent and in the vintage category. 
In fact, uh, if you look at the recent Philips option, they have proven to be very resilient and in fact growing in pace. So you get a you know a Philip Dufour watch it has now fetched over a million dollars. You know he came to Singapore years ago. It was nowhere near it. I would say he, he had done particularly very well, and he's an independent watchmaker. We've seen many examples uh, in Singapore watch fair where they came, and they have sold, you know, where they debuted uh, at uh, one fifth of the price, you know, and now they are at least five x their original value. So I think watches in general have have stood the test of time. We have seen it throughout COVID, which was the biggest pandemic mankind, human mankind has seen. In fact, uh, watches have have been very resilient. They have stood the test of time. They have performed well. But as I mentioned, not all watches are born the same. Mm. We're seeing it right now. Okay, so here's the thing. I know that, Matt, you have a sustainability angle on this. You debuted your luxury diver's watch at the recent Singapore Watch Fair. And all of it made from sustainable materials, or a lot of it anyway. Tell us more about this. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think also when, when you look at what luxury is, um, it's easy to forget that luxury is not just about being expensive, right? It's the best craftsmanship. Uh, it's also the use of the right kind of materials, and it's also a company that stands for something. So when my co-founder Askren and I were discussing the creation of Atelier Holger and the watch that we wanted to develop, sustainability and conservation was something very much part of the part of our identity. So, you know, we're a brand new brand. It, you know, it would be amazing if we could make everything sustainable. Uh, but we wanted to start from ground zero and see what can we take control of from day one. So one of the ways was our two straps being made out of recycled ocean plastic uh, and also our pups as well using bamboo and cork, which are inherently natural materials. Of course, no new plastics will be added into that to kind of hold the watch or anything like that. Even our pouch is made out of recycled leather uh, that comes within the box. So we try to take as much control as possible to see where we could add in sustainable uh, materials. For the straps themselves, we use a, a company called Tide Ocean. They're a very exciting organization that actually works with communities across Southeast Asia to source plastic out of our ocean. They take this dirty plastics and turn it into fresh uh, new material through a non-chemical process. So we're basically taking stuff out of the ocean and making new products out of it. So that was something that was very exciting and I think also very relevant, you know, being a Singapore-based company to work with an organization that works with communities in Southeast Asia. And Okay, that's the fact that it is more environmentally friendly and built from sustainable material. Allow you to charge a premium just based on that? Well, we were not charging a premium based on that. Mm. Um, I think, you know, where our pricing has come from is basically being fair with the right materials that we use, but also the fact that our entire watches, you know, had finished uh, in Switzerland. So um, I think that's kind of where we wanted to land with the creation of our watch. Right. Uh, Nelson, perhaps you could jump in here. Does the sustainability angle or aspect of a luxury watch make it worth more, you think? I mean, we definitely seen the trend in recent years. Yeah. You know, we have big brands uh, going for vegan-free stripes, you know, um, non-leather stripes. I think it's definitely a plus, but it always boils down, again, to what watch collectors want. Whether the watch is nice, it looks good on the wrist, the dial, the movement, the case. Right. These are the primary factors that uh, a watch collector or shopper would look at. 
Mm. What is the minimum amount a novice investor should have available if they want to start investing in this space? Well, you know, if they came to the Singapore Watch Fair, we had brands like Fulan Marie who have saw a lot of success with a 555 uh, Swiss franc watch. And now they launch a new collection, which uh, is still below 2,000 euros. Good watches need not be expensive. You know, I think there are many disruptors, uh, Matt, including Matt, who have uh, brought amazing, amazing watches at... Uh, I would say fair, accessible price points, right? Mm. Here's the thing. There's always a risk, right, to any investment. In the case of watches, you have damage risk, so you've got to make sure you service them regularly. There are also many fake watches out there, aren't there? So what what is your advice? You know, when it comes to watches, we always say one thing. You always buy the seller and not the watch. So always buy from reputable retailers, shops like ourselves, people on vintage, uh, where we stand behind the watch, we stand behind the quality, we have the processes, and that has always been the rule uh, when it comes to watches. Always buy the seller on the watch, <laughs> wherever you go. Matt, you're in the business, I'm sure, of being the seller that people want to buy. In the wake of the trade nation scam, the luxury goods scam, what's your advice to investors looking for trustworthy players in the market? Um, yeah, I think this is one, you know, buying from, uh, directly from the producers themselves, I think is a great way, which I think is part of the reason why a lot of people have gone, uh, into independence. Um, you know, so great, interesting brands and, you know, by buying directly from the, you know, the founders and, and the watchmakers themselves. I think that's one great way of, you know, ensuring that <laughs> the watch isn't some fake, uh, a fake thing made, uh, made somewhere else. You know, what uh, Nelson is saying is ringing, you know, very, very true. It's always buy the seller. Don't buy the product itself. And, you know, if you're trying to get a cheap deal on, on eBay to save a few hundred bucks or a few thousand uh, dollars, um, that's, you know, where you run the risk uh, of, you know, falling into <laughs> the, the, the wrong hole. So uh, always look at, you know, uh, the reputable dealers, uh, who have been in the market for a while, who are very knowledgeable, understand what they're bringing into their inventory, and then, you know, as a buyer, you can trust them uh, and, you know, buy with confidence. Thanks very much for sharing your thoughts with us, both of you. Nelson Lee, founder of Ultralux and the Singapore Watch Fair, and Matt DeBacker, founder of Atelier Holger. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.